Hey, and thanks for joining us for Parkview Online. I'm Dan, one of the pastors here. Over the next hour or so, our goal is to help you take a next step toward God. Wherever you happen to be on your faith journey, we believe that you have a step to take, and we want to help you discover what that is. In just a moment, we're going to join our broadcast campus where the band will lead us in some music and we'll hear a message based on the Bible that we can all apply to our lives. During the service, you're probably going to end up hearing a reference to the next steps area in a lobby or something specific to an experience that's happening at one of our physical campuses. But what we want you to know is that you can take very similar next steps online. And if there's ever a time when you want to learn more about how to do that, just shoot me an email at online at parkviewchurch.com. We'd love to help you figure out which next step is the right one for you. There are a couple of other quick things that we want you to know. First, if you're watching with a group of people and we can help you in any way, we'd love to. That means different things for different groups, but we'd love to have the conversation with you. And then second, if you're watching and you'd like to get connected to some people in your area, or you'd like some information about connecting to one of our physical campuses in the Chicagoland area, again, just reach out via email. The address is online at parkviewchurch.com. Ultimately, today, we want our time together to encourage you. We want you to get some practical insight from the Bible, and we want to help you take your next step with God and with other people. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the service. Good morning, Parkview Church. Why don't you stand your feet? We're going to worship King Jesus this morning.
to sing with you this weekend. Go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, we're going to keep singing to our great God here in a few moments, uh, but we're going to take some time now uh, just to remember all that God has done for us and take communion together. So hopefully when you came in, you were able to grab one of these packs. Uh, if you're at home and online and you want to join with us, now would be a great time to grab some crackers and juice. But it's a chance for us now, like I just said, to go back and remember this amazing gift that God has given us in his son. Uh, it's an incredible act of generosity it's an incredible act of love, and this is what we get to remember and never forget. So let's just take a few moments now to remember that. I'll come back out, and we'll take communion together. The Bible reminds us that every time we eat the bread and every time we drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So let's proclaim and remember together the body of Christ given for you. Take and eat. And now the body of Christ, blood of Christ shed for you. Take pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for this amazing gift, uh, this way that you've showed us how much you love us in sending your son to die for our sin. God, thank you for hope and a future, Father, for making a way for us back to you. And so today we celebrate all that you've done for us. We give you thanks. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everyone said amen. Hey, why don't we stand up together and let's continue to worship our great God.
God, we thank you for that gift, the gift of King Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Father, we're so grateful. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning. God, we fully acknowledge you. God, open our hearts, open our minds to all the wonderful and beautiful things that you have for us. God, we love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated. Well, hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to Parkview. If you've not had the privilege to meet, my name is Chad. I'm the campus pastor here and so thrilled that you have joined with us. It is Christmas season, which means you're probably doing all crazy things like decorating your house, uh, maybe drinking lots of hot chocolate, or even going to a white elephant gift party, which is what I just did. I got this thing. I don't even know what this is. I looked at the person who gave it to me. I said, is this an acorn? Is this a pumpkin? Like, what do I do with this? And the person looked at me and said, it's a decorative piece. Okay, great. So that's a decorative piece. Anyway, there's a lot of shenanigans going around at Christmas time. Uh, but one of the shenanigans that is for sure true is that Jesus has come. He has stepped into our world, and we get to celebrate that together. And so we're excited to do that. You know, there's a lot happening between now and the time of Christmas. So if you want to stay in step with us, go to parkviewchurch.com slash this week. And you'll be able to stay in step and know all that's taking place. In fact, uh, recently we had a chance to come together uh, across all campuses uh, to do a drive where we were going to collect items for our local families in our community. And I just want to share this with you because this is pretty incredible. We collected as a church 5,000 pieces of clothes, 200 gift cards, and 900 toys for local families in our community. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. And so I just want to say thank you for being generous. Thank you for going all in. You know, we can do a lot more together when we do it together. Uh, so let's keep doing that. In fact, um, if you're curious about how to give today, uh, you can do that online throughout the service, or there's an actual envelope on the chair back in front of you, and you can drop your gift in there and leave it by the back door as you leave today. In fact, many of you probably know about the devastation that's been happening in our country through the tornadoes and storms that came this past week. Uh, we actually are connected with an organization that's sending relief even right now in this very moment. And so when you give uh, to Parkview, you actually get a chance to partner with them. So don't miss out on a chance to do that as well. And then as you know, Christmas is coming, and we would love for you to, to join with us and celebrate Christmas Eve together. Uh, we've got a lot of services. In fact, so many of you decided that you wanted to be a part of the experience that we've actually added two more to this campus, the Orland Park campus, uh, Wednesday at 5 o'clock and Thursday at 3.30. So if you haven't had your chance to get your tickets, don't forget to do that. You can go to Christmas at Parkview.com and make sure you grab your tickets. In fact, as you leave today, there's an invitation you can take. Uh, you can give it to your coworker, a neighbor, or a friend. And on the back, there's a chance for them to write to and from. And if your friend brings this in, you'll get a chance uh, to get a nice little treat here while they're here. So don't miss out on that. And lastly, as you can imagine, uh, with so many services, we need everyone to jump in and serve uh, to volunteer and help put on a great Christmas for people who are going to come. Uh, you can fill out one of these cards before you leave today. We would love for you to join our Team Parkview team and help reach our neighbors for Jesus. Really glad that you made it. Pastor Todd is here, so settle in. Enjoy the rest of the service. You know, I told Tim that um, there's a difference between being ugly in a sweater and wearing an ugly sweater. Somebody say amen, right? <laughs> uh, I, you know, last week he texted me after uh, one of the services and says, hey, you may want to see what I did about you, uh, what I said. And yeah, you know, his, uh, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? And I think the actual line that comes after that, if you know it, you can help me with it. It's, I don't know, Margot. Right? So, <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, um, I'm so glad that you're here. And we love to have fun around here at uh, Parkview, whether it's Christmas time or any other time of the year. We believe that gathering up together 
coming together uh, should be fun, and we should be able to uh, enjoy each other. Ch- Tim enjoys me uh, a lot, uh, making fun of me a lot, so he, <clears throat> he, he actually really, really gets into it. Um, but the part of the reason we're wearing these sweaters, these ugly sweaters during this Christmas series is because we realize that Christmas can be really exciting and fun and amazing, but Christmas also for many of us can be really hard, can be really difficult, it can be, it can be kind of ugly at times. We realize that there's a whole lot of beauty in the Christmas season, but there's also just a lot of brokenness in the Christmas season. So we're wearing these sweaters to start out the different messages in this Christmas series, just to remind us, if you see a lot of excitement and beauty in Christmas, that's okay, okay. but if your Christmas looks a little kind of, you know, odd and strange and ugly and hard and messy, that's okay too. Uh, That's just the way it is. And uh, so we're wearing these sweaters. I'm actually going to do a little Mr. Rogers and, and take this thing off because Tim said I could. Um, And we're in this series, right, called, should I fold it, or should I just, I'm I'm good. We're in this series called Unraveled, all right, and um, we're in the third week of this series, and the message that I'm going to bring today, that we're going to uh, look at and study today, is on a topic that uh, I've been wrestling with personally for many, many years, And I've been helping people wrestle with this for many years, but I've never ever put together really a message and talked about this until today, until this weekend. And the message that I want us to look at and bring and dive into is based on this very Christmassy verse in the book of Matthew. It's a pretty famous verse. You're probably familiar with it with it from Matthew chapter 1. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you say those last three words with me? God with us. God with us. Whether you've been around church a long time or just a little bit, you've probably seen this verse somewhere. You've probably heard that God with us. And I think for the most part, all of us on all of our campuses around here at Orland, New Lenox, Homer Glen, everybody online, we probably buy into that. God with us. Sounds good. God with our world, with humanity. God's probably with humanity. God with us. Okay, sure. God with us. Our nation, yeah, probably. God, God's probably, is he with our nation? Probably a lot of us would say, yeah, he definitely is. With Parkview? God with, is, is God with Parkview? All of us would probably say, well, yeah, I mean, God is with us. We, we get that whole God is with us idea. But when it starts to get personal and it goes from God with us to God with me, then we kind of, well, I, I, I don't know how I feel. I, I don't know how close I feel. Now, now, of course, God is with us. But what happens when you don't always feel like God is with you? He feels distant or millions of miles away. That's what I want us to dive into today. And I want us to take some time to consider how we can gain back during this Christmas season some of the proximity, some of the closeness of not just God with us, but God with me in my daily life, with my kids, with my grandkids. So here's a question to start us out, heading in the same direction. How do you know what you know about God? How do you know what you know about God? Think about that for just a moment. Maybe if you're honest, you would say, I don't think I've ever really thought necessarily about that question, Todd. And I, I, Todd, um, you know, Christmas vacation. I, 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 uh, I don't know how I know what I know about God, okay? How do you know what you know about God? I think for a lot of us, again, if, if you and I were able to sit down and have a coffee later this afternoon somewhere, and I asked you, how do you know what you know about God, and you had to really sort it out, we know about God from probably lots of different places. Some of us would say, I know about God from my parents and my grandparents, A lot of what I know comes from them. For me, that's definitely the case. My parents and grandparents are fantastic followers of Jesus. Uh, My parents 
did not always do things perfectly. I know in their faith, but what they passed on to me, I watched them serving. I watched them giving their lives and their energy to different people and being others centered in their life. And so a lot of, I know what I know about God comes from my parents and grandparents. And maybe, maybe that's where you would be today as well. And that's great. That's fantastic. Maybe you would say it wasn't them. Maybe you would say it was a, a pastor somewhere in your life. And that's how you know a lot about God. Pastor Tim has been around here at Parkview for 72 years. It's, uh, I'm just kidding. No, it's 30, 31, 32 years, something like that. Sorry. It feels like, no, he's, anyway, uh, he's been here for 30 plus years. And truly, for Tim and Denise, his, his wife, their le- and, and, and many other pastors, Bill, uh, Pastor Bill and Teresa and so many of them, their legacy of faith and all of the energy and serving, for a lot of you who have been around here for decades, probably a lot of what you know and understand about God comes from some different pastors in your life, and that's, that's fantastic, that's great. You know this, there's also thousands and thousands of people who call Parkview home who grew up or came to Parkview from the Catholic Church, which is a great thing. And so you would say, a lot of what I know about God came from my priest growing up. They, they would talk to God. They would go to God. They would tell us what we need to you know, know about God. And so just to, Todd, I'm just being honest. A lot of what I know comes from the priest that I grew up with. And again, that is not hundreds. That is thousands of folks around here. Some of you might say it's from an author. I love to read or at this point or this point in my life, it's from an author. That's how I know a lot of what I know about God. For me, I planted and started a church in Simi Valley area of California years back in the Thousand Oaks area, right near the Reagan Library, if you're familiar with that. And uh, we were just a couple of miles away from this uh, pastor named Francis Chan. I don't know if you know who Francis Chan is. You're just a couple miles from him. And he wrote this incredible book called Crazy Love. And millions of people got this book. And lots of people learned about who God was from Francis and this book, Crazy Love. And listen, here's what I want you to know. This is great. This is, this is fantastic. At, at some point in our lives, for, for most all of us, faith in God and what we know about God has been passed on to us by someone else. That's just kind of how it works. And if your faith has been passed on to you by your parents or grandparents or your pastor or your priest or your favorite author or something like that, that should be celebrated. That should absolutely be cherished in, in your life. That's a good thing. But I'd go back to this question again. But how do you know what you know about God for you personally? When we dig into the story of Christmas and we look at the story, we realize that a big part of the reason that Jesus came and was born into this world at Christmas time was to restore and to build the bridge for you and for me to be able to go to God directly and have that relationship, communication, proximity to God. In fact, just a, just a quick history, a, a few thousand years history here uh, leading up to when Jesus was born. We're coming up to this Christmas season. Here's a few thousand year history. Are you ready? Uh, go all the way back in the beginning of the Bible to the book of Genesis. You have Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve are created. God puts them in the garden. And I really believe if you asked Adam and Eve this question, how do you know what you know about God? Adam and Eve would have probably said, well, it, uh, we... we uh, we walk with him, we, we hang out with God, we, we talk with God, we're close, he tells us not to eat things, right? It's, it's like we have this relationship, right? That's how we know what we know about God. You go just a little bit further, a few generations after Adam and Eve, and God was his people's king, God was the king, they could go to him, but the people of Israel, God's people, you know, they started wanting a king, not God to be their king, they wanted an earthly king, everybody else around them had their own king, and so we want a king to go for us, and so God gives them a king, he gives them Saul, and then pretty soon after they have a king, they start having prophets, and they start having priests, and things like that, and what these folks would do is they would end up going to God on these people's behalf half and interceding for God. And, and if you would ask people uh, living in the, these early centuries, how do you know what you know about God? Probably many of them would have said, well, it's from that prophet. It's from those priests who tell us things. And, and I would say this, 
This is just the way that I process this in my life. I've never actually processed this before just like this, but I think it's going to make sense to us by the time we get done to the end of our study today, and it's going to be exciting and challenging, and it's going to be a new thing for us to to really consider. I would say that a lot of people living in that first century had what I would call this, a surrogate faith. A surrogate faith. You know what a surrogate mom is, right? A surrogate mom or a surrogate mother is a mom who carries a baby that's not her own. It's for someone else. It's a beautiful, amazing thing, but she's carrying this baby for for another person. So a surrogate faith is a faith that I carry or that you would carry or somebody we know would carry that is not exactly their own, right? Or or maybe not a surrogate faith. Maybe we could call it a, a secondhand faith that's come to us through someone else, which again, we've talked about, can be a great, beautiful thing. It's the way it usually always happens in our life, or maybe it could be called a borrowed faith or something like that. Let's hang out here and pause for just a moment. Let's, let's kind of double-click down into this idea of surrogate or secondhand or borrowed faith. Let me ask you to think about this. Don't raise your hand or shout out or anything, but think about this. What is the biggest thing you have ever borrowed what's the biggest thing you've ever borrowed from someone for me there's lots of things but I probably in my mind I'd go back to when my wife and I Renee were first married we were living in Indianapolis Indiana and we bought our first house it was $61,000 we had a $391 mortgage principal and interest taxes and insurance and I thought this we're never going to pay this $391, this is insane. This will never happen. And uh, pretty much everything we had was secondhand. Maybe you've been there. In our house, all of our furniture, secondhand. Our beds, secondhand. Our TV, secondhand. Uh, Our car, our car was always secondhand. Everything we had was secondhand and borrowed. And in our our home we bought, we had like a half acre, a little over a half acre lot there in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, And and I can just remember I had this old secondhand on its last leg made in, I think, the 1960s push lawnmower. And it took me hours and hours and hours, and it didn't work. It didn't cut right. It didn't even really cut the lawn. And my neighbor, my neighbor was about 10 or 12 years ahead of me, and my neighbor had this incredible, beautiful, glorious, I could say, (laughs) mower. Here's the kind of mower he had. He had this green John Deere that when I would see it, it would like, oh, you know, it was like the hallelujah chorus and he let me borrow his mower for about two years I think it's because he didn't want my yard sitting next to his yard in the way it was cut but it had like a little radio kind of thing on it you know the deck went up and down um, it, it had different speeds that you could do and stuff like that. And it, it, was, it was fantastic. But here's what I knew. Every time I did it, and especially when I got into like the second year, here's what I knew. I knew at some point I had, I had to own my own mower. I couldn't just forever borrow his mower. And so I saved up. I looked in the paper. Remember when you had to look in the paper for things you wanted to buy? I looked in the paper, and I got me one of these, a Murray And it looked just like that. I mean, I would armor all the tires. The deck didn't do anything. I had duct tape on the seat, all of that. It was not as shiny. It was not as powerful. It was not as efficient, but it was mine. It was mine, even though it wasn't as shiny or powerful as my neighbor's. And it was kind of my neighbor to allow me to borrow his mower all that time, but at some point I knew I needed to own my own mower. It's kind, it's healthy, it's noble, it's good for our parents, our grandparents, pastors and priests to introduce us to faith and let us borrow their experience and their wisdom and their understanding of God. But there comes a time in our lives where we want to own our own faith and relationship with God. There comes a time for many of us when we become a bit weary 
of borrowing, borrowing someone else's faith, and we long to have our own faith and relationship with God, even if it's not as shiny or powerful as theirs. It's mine. What my journey looked like, and maybe you can resonate with this, I tried to think this through of what my faith journey kind of looked like, and maybe you can see yourself in it in the past or even right now. I would say in the first trimester of my life, maybe birth through 12 years old, I carried my parents' faith, and I've already talked about that. They're incredibly faithful people, and I drifted a lot off of them, and that's wonderful. That's fantastic. In the second trimester, 13 to 17 or so, I carried my youth pastor's faith. I had an incredible youth pastor. His name was Reggie Epps. He's still pastoring today in Kansas City. I learned so much of what I know about God, and I drifted so much off of him and what he thought and knew about God. And then in maybe the third trimester in my early 20s and that sort of thing, I carried my professors in college and my favorite author's faith and the people I were reading and and things like that. And I actually had a really interesting thing happen in college. It was the first time I'd really experienced it. And that is one of my favorite authors. I'd read several of his books. One of them I really, really liked. He fell into a very, very, very sinful season in his life. And that rocked me because so much of my faith was in him So when he, that happened, it rocked me. And maybe you've experienced that before. And so what I'm saying is by my mid-20s, I knew a lot about God. But I didn't yet really personally know God as much. Much of everything that I knew about God came to me from someone else. I had more of a surrogate, second-hand, borrowed Faith, And I'm telling you, here, here's what I want to make sure. I don't want to diminish that. It, I am grateful for that. And it was great. It worked. But I wanted more. It worked. But I wanted more. Even again, if it wasn't as shiny or powerful as my parents or my pastors. And maybe that describes some of even where you are. You couldn't put your finger on it exactly. But you understand, even right now, some of that tension that I am describing, that you feel like a lot of what you know comes from other folks. And here's what I want us to just realize again about Christmas. The story of Christmas is that Jesus makes a way for each of us to own our own faith in him to our Father God in heaven. And listen, listen, you don't have to do this, but Jesus came so you could. He came so you and I could go directly to God and have that relationship and proximity to him. It's an incredible thing to think about, really. The God of the universe being able to have that intimacy and with, with God. So here's what I want to do for just the next little bit. I want to just share some ways with you that you can dive in and own your own faith. Some of these things you may already be doing and you're like, man, got it doing that. Some of these things, I'll just share a few, maybe things like, man, I'd never even thought about that. I need to do that. And I promise if you'll just begin to do some of those and weave these into your life, you'll be on your way more and more to just owning your own. It'll feel more personal to you and it'll grow more and more powerful. So these are some things for you, for your kids, for your grandkids, whoever. Let's start at ground zero. The first thing to owning your own faith is believe and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's fantastic that your friend who introduced you to faith, your parents have accepted Jesus, your pastor, hopefully your pastor has Jesus. Okay? It's great that they have accepted Jesus in their life, your favorite author. That's fantastic. But you also need to do that. You need to have a moment in your life where you say, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. You're plunged in the water and baptized into him. Jesus says clearly in Matthew, or I'm sorry, John chapter 16, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Sometimes if you're feeling like, man, I just don't feel, I was raised in this Christian home, but I don't feel that close to God. My question is, have you stepped forward and personalized your faith? Have you accepted him? And if you've never done that, that's where I'd start. I would talk to somebody today around the campus, out in the lobby, 
your friend and say, how do I do that? How do I personally step into this relationship with Jesus that allows me this personal relationship with God, right? That's the first thing. So some of you have already done that, but maybe during this Christmas season, some of you want to do that. Here's another thing. Begin to listen to the voice of God. Begin to listen to God's voice. John chapter 10, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Here's the thing about this. How, how do you learn to listen to a voice of a person you can't even see? It's like, it's like Jesus, God is out here with flesh and blood. It's like I talk to people about this a lot. How do you, how do you, you I mean, you listen, Todd, really? I mean, like you talk to and, and you hear from, really? How? Over the last few days on my social media, different social media accounts, I just ask people, how do you hear from God? How, how do you feel like God speaks to you in your life? Here's a few of the things that people said. Some of them said through pictures. God gives me pictures in my mind, in my imagination, in my dreams. God, God puts impressions on me. Some people said through my family. God speaks to me through my family. Some people said through friends. Some people said God actually speaks to me through strangers. I've had God speak to me through a complete stranger. Some even said that that would maybe be an angel, that that, that could be an angel. Some people believe, maybe you believe that God spoke to you through an angel. An angel doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always. An angel is just a messenger. That's what the word angel means, messenger. It doesn't have to be the person in the white robe and the wings. You're like, oh, definitely an angel right there. I just saw him. I mean, hello, thank you all. Listen, a lot of times if, if, if it happened like that, it would be fantastic, but it doesn't. A lot of times it's just a stranger who comes up to you in Starbucks, right? From my experience personally, a lot of times God speaks to me through just impressions on my heart. A lot of people said God would speak to me through the time I spend in the Bible and, and, and reading Uh, the Bible, and I think that's huge. If you're wondering how you can hear from God and how God speaks to you, I would say spend some time in the Bible. Look at what this verse says in 2 Timothy. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. The Bible helps us to understand God and, and to learn how God is speaking to us. And so here's another thing. Here's another thing. If you're thinking about how I come closer to God, it's not just listening to his voice. It's not just accepting Jesus into your life as your personal savior, but it's beginning to read and listen to the Bible on your own. Spending just some time in the Bible, reading it or listening to it on your own. It's, it's, it's great that we come together on the weekend like this and we study the Bible together and we pull apart verses and we put them on the screen and that sort of thing, that's fantastic. We're called to come together and to learn and to grow and to study. We are called to do that. But consider if that's the only time we do that, how hard that actually makes it to be healthy and to grow if the only time we really spend time listening and studying God's word is on like a Sunday morning. In fact, maybe to uh, think about that and imagine it, let's think about the Bible being our spiritual food, just like we have regular food in our lives. And let's just go with me on this for a moment. Let's say that next weekend, for the next couple weekends leading into the new year, on, on all of our campuses, Orland Park, Homer Glen, New Lenox, when you come in, out in the lobby, there is a huge smorgasbord of food. I mean, it, it is massive. There's, there's a huge dessert table uh, over there. Uh, there's, there's a bread. There's a whole area with bread. Okay, some of you are like, there you go. Fresh baked bread right there. There's, a, there's an Italian place over there. There's a whole uh, taco bar, Mexican place. There's, of course, we're in Chicago. There's a, there's a pizza area, you know, with all of our, all of our favorites. Of course, the, the, there's a huge beggars section. Um, and so, it's just, so there's food everywhere, okay? And so you come in, and here's the thing. It's all free. You come to Parkview, you're part of this place, it's just free. You, you can have whatever you want, all of what you want. You can bring your friends, doesn't matter. You can have everything you want, but here's the catch. Here's the catch. If you decide to eat any of that, you can't eat again till next Sunday. No eating again. You can have whatever you want, but no eating again until next week. How would that work? Does that, does that make sense? I mean, you would, you would by, by, Sunday, by tonight, you would be upset. You would be irritable, right? <laughs> right? You would be angry. Here's the thing. You would be physically malnourished. 
And so I just think through that in your life, but also in mine. I spend time reading this and studying this to, to preach and share with people, but still for me, listen, listen, I struggle in this. Just what if, what if we only read and study the Bible one day a week, and, which is awesome and fantastic, but, but how, what does that do spiritually? How, can, how are we spiritually not well-nourished? And so I would say begin to read and listen to the Bible on your own, on a regular basis. And then when you do that, just begin to write down what you read. When you're reading the Bible, what do I do? Do I just read it and then I'm done? How do, I, how do I listen to God? How do I get closer to God? I've read the Bible, but here, when you're done reading it, even if it's just a few verses or one chapter, then just begin to write down what you're reading or listening to in the Bible. And I know some of you right now are saying, okay, he's, I know what he's doing. He's, he's talking about journaling again. He's just, he's doing the journaling thing. And some of you love journaling. Some of you, as soon as I said that, you know, you're already thinking about going to Target after this and you're getting the colored pens and the stickers and the notebooks and all that kind of stuff. You're ready to go. And and so others of you are going, really, seriously, journaling? I'm not doing it. I'm not. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Journaling, writing down what you read in the Bible, writing down these things and impressions from God is just keeping track of what God is doing, the movements of God in your life. And if you like to write, write a lot. If you don't like to write much, write just a little bit, but begin to keep track of what God is doing in your life. And I promise you, you will feel closer. You will feel closer to God. How much stronger do you think you would be in 2022 if you had just kept track each day or each week of the movements and the activity of God in your life during all of 2021? Sometimes for me, the only way I can know that God hasn't lost his voice in my life is to go back and look at how he has moved. And I go, oh yeah, God is with me. Of course he's with us, but he's also with me. And sometimes I have to go back and look at it to remember that he really is. So just begin to write down what you read and what you listen to in the Bible. And then for the sake of today, here's the last thing I would say, and that is just begin, begin to serve, begin to dive in, begin to step up and step out and put that faith that you want to have and you want to be your own, put it into action. I know this may sound self-serving because we're always talking about needing people to serve around here at Parkview, but it's not self-serving. This is, this, this is, of course, one of the greatest ways to actually feel close to God. And we have all of these Christmas Eve services coming up, and I encourage you to invite someone to come, to bring someone with you, right, to, to have this ticket and, and say, set right beside me. But I also invite you to sign up and, and to dive in. And, and to serve in God's kingdom and see, see what that does to your heart and your faith and how you feel. It's incredible. Here, I can tell you that because it happens for me. Here's, here's a picture of me just a few days ago um, this week. I, uh, I'm, I'm the one on the right. Um, the whisker. I signed up to, I'm just going to shoot straight with you about serving, Okay. I signed up to serve a few weeks ago in a live nativity scene at church, okay? And so I thought it would be great. You know, usually when you get all excited to sign up to serve, which happened to me at church, and, you know, you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what Todd said. I'm going to serve. It's going to be amazing. You can get really amped up at church to serve. And I was amped up to be a shepherd. I'm a shepherd in scene nine. Okay, it's a live nativity. There's nine different scenes that people come to. I was the adult shepherd, so I was in charge of Pongo, this cow, and also three other sheep and also a couple of donkeys. Okay, and I had, I had the night, the evening shift from 7 to 10 or 10.30. And I'll just be honest with you. I was fired up to do it, but then when Wednesday came around, I'm sitting there. It's been dark for several hours. We've already eaten dinner, and all I, I was thinking all I want to do is just like be on the couch with Netflix and my wife. I don't want to go be a shepherd. I don't want to dress up. I don't want to be, I don't want to be near a cow. I don't want to smell like a cow. I have allergies. I have allergies. I don't need to be around that, right? And that's probably how you will feel. You'll feel excited to sign up, and then the time comes for the morning or afternoon or evening to serve, and you're going to be like, oh, crud. Man, I signed up to serve. I got to go work with the little ones, or I got to go greet and you're going to feel the same way I did. And then I did it. 
And by the time I was sitting in my car at 10.30, 10.45 at night, had taken off all the shepherd's stuff and seen hundreds and hundreds of cars and people walk through. It's hard to describe as I was sitting in my car by myself how close I felt to God. He felt like he was right there in my car with me. It's like, man, that's, it was mine. I stepped out, I did it. And I'm just telling you, if you want to take that step into owning your own, one of the best ways is to jump in, step up and step out and serve somewhere. When the day comes, you won't want to do it, but by the time you're done, you'll be glad you did. It's the way it usually works. So a few closing thoughts on this. A few closing thoughts, and we'll pray and sing together and head out into this exciting week. This idea of surrogate, secondhand, borrowed faith isn't anything new. It's been going on for centuries. When Jesus was born, Christmas time, most people living in that first century had a secondhand faith. It was just easier to let someone else go to God for them. And so they would hear from God from these prophets, these priests what they needed to do. And the thing was, that wasn't working super well from God's perspective. And so Jesus came into this world to make a way that we can go to God, have that personal relationship, and own our own faith. And I think there's probably a couple of reasons, there's probably many, but two reasons specifically that I can think of that Jesus did this, that God knew this, and that you and I should give the energy it takes to do some of these things and own our own faith. The first thing is that Jesus knew that at some point in our lives, the people who have given us faith, which is incredible, are going to fall short in big or small ways. The people who gave you your faith in God are going to fall short. And when we put all of our faith in people and put them up on pedestals, there's usually going to be problems. And God knew, you're going to need to have a faith in me who was never going to fail you, who's never going to let you down, who is, who is always going to be there rather than some other just really good person in your life. And another reason I think Jesus knew that this was important and God knew that this was important is because at some time in your life, I promise you this is true of you, at some point in your life, God is going to have wisdom for you. God is going to have guidance for you that your parents don't know, that your pastor, I don't know, that your friends, that your favorite author, don't know. So how will you know what God wants you to know if everything you know about God comes from someone else? We need to begin that journey, if we haven't already, of learning how to hear from God. And Jesus knew it would be important for us to be able to hear from God personally and own our own faith. If you've been taking notes today, you have a lot of this written down. If you haven't, maybe you can just write this down or you can take a picture of it. Here's the things that we talked through. Maybe just take a picture of that. Believe and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That'd be a first step. Begin to listen to the voice of God. There's lots of ways to do that. Begin to read and listen to the Bible on your own. Spend some time tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday just reading a little bit on your own. Then whatever it is you read, begin to write that down, what you listen to or what you read. Just if you like to write, write a lot. If you don't, write a little. And then dive in and begin to serve. Step up and step out and just see how close and how real God and his kingdom feel. All of these things and owning your own faith, listen, listen, this won't happen overnight. But it can happen over time. It can happen over time. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for this weekend. Thanks for this season that we're in, as exciting as it is, but also as ugly and messy as it can be. God, we we need, no matter whether we're on cloud nine or whether we feel we are distant, distant, we, we need to be able to hear from you. And God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus into this world to make a way for us to have a personal relationship, proximity with you. God, I pray today that you would just stir each of our hearts in different ways and you would help us to want to want you more. 
and step up and step out into that reality. Thank you for this time to study and sing. We thank you for being our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Come on, can we stand back together and continue worshiping King Jesus?
was so nice worshiping with you guys this morning. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, give you grace and peace. And you don't keep all that stuff to yourself, but you share it with everyone you encounter. We love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to grab an invite on the way out.